Hello and welcome to the Knowing Self, Knowing Others podcast, the fortnightly podcast that explores self-awareness, leader effectiveness and leadership at all levels. Join me, your host, Nia Thomas, as we talk to today's Knowing Self, Knowing Others guest. A very big welcome to Matt Stone today, all the way from the United States. Um, Matt, I didn't even check what time it is with you at the moment. So it's 2 p.m. with me. What time is it with you? Well, it's 9.04 a.m. here in New York City. Oh, that's pretty (laughs) civilized to have that kind of time difference. Wonderful. Uh, For all our listeners, it's Matt Stone, who is the CEO of Behavioral OS. And Behavioural OS very much supports leadership teams that are of risk of breakdown. And something that really interested me, Matt focuses on the TRUST trust method, which really looks at improving self-awareness as a way of improving team relationships, I guess. But Matt, I'm going to hand over to you to introduce yourself. Well, thank you, Nia. And um, I'm grateful to be here with you today and having this important conversation. Uh, yes, we, uh, you know, in terms of my role at Behavioral OS, I, I and my team, we work with leadership teams mostly and leadership teams that are at risk from, um, you know, as a result of communication breakdown over time. You know, I like to say that relationships were either moving closer together or further apart. We're never in, yeah. in a stasis. And so that means, you know, on a leadership team, it's, it's, it's no different really at its core than any other kind of group of relationships. We need to be intentionally working. And when there's a breakdown, it can cause a lot of problems for companies, obviously <laughs> financial okay. risk and, and everything else. So um, that's the, the core of the work that we do. Amazing. And you've got your own podcast um, that listeners might be interested in. So Accelerate with Matt Stone. And you were recording this morning about relationships. Strangely enough, or maybe it was uh, not uh, a coincidence. But yeah, this morning, I try and do an episode every single day, weekday, Mm -hmm. Monday through Friday. I try to keep it six to nine minutes. Sometimes I'm rambling a little bit more than others. But but, um, yeah, today I was talking about an article I read in New York Times about uh, some relationship experts and their their research on it's in the context of a marriage. But frankly, the little secret here, folks, is that the relationship dynamics, there's so much overlap between the same things that work in a marriage as that work in a business partnership or a colleague on a team because at its core trust is trust is trust absolutely (laughs) relationships are relationships yeah that's right (laughs) so tell me how do you define self-awareness yeah, I mean, it, it's complicated and yet it's simple. I think for me, the simple answer, which I admittedly derive from my favorite book on self-awareness called Insight with Tasha Yurik, um, is really Excellent. your ability to see yourself clearly, to understand your motivations, your values, um, to understand who you are and why you do what you do and what's important to you, and then also to understand how others see you. So it's what Tasha calls internal self-awareness and external Mm self-awareness. And so those combined things and to recognize that self-awareness is not only a state of being, but it's a, um, it's a skill. That's so important to know that. So yeah, that's kind of my working definition. Do you think there's a relationship between self-awareness and leader effectiveness? 
Well, uh, there's the clinical answer, the research-based answer, which is um, pretty definitive. Uh, it's not really contested. The, the, the link between self-awareness and effectiveness as a leader is rock solid and getting more so every time another study is done. So, you know, I can say definitively, and it's not my own opinion, it's just scientific fact at this point that yes, um, more anecdotally to go with that, um, I think self-aware leaders tend to be more uh, emotionally intelligent. They tend to understand and be present um, with the people around them and build stronger bonds and have better influence, better positive influence on the way around them. And therefore, they're able to be more effective in getting people to do things. But they're not just influential. They understand what other people are experiencing so that they can be in a symbiosis, which makes it a win-win situation. Yeah. And that in the long run, and sometimes even in the short run, produces better outcomes because influence is only a piece to the game. I can be high. I mean, look, you know, Hitler was very influential. but we don't want to, you know, we don't want to um, mirror ourselves after a dictator. If we can, we want to mirror ourselves with a collaborative approach. That's going to create sustainable growth, not just compliance in the moment. There's a big difference. So I think that's where self-awareness plays a huge role. Matt, in the work that you've done with teams that are really at risk of breaking down. Are you seeing that you have leaders with limited self-awareness within those groups? Is that part of the issue in terms of that breakdown? It's always a part of the issue. Self-awareness runs through absolutely everything. You know, first of all, none of us are as self-aware as we think we are. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I mean, it's a bit of a superlative statement. I agree, but I think it pretty solidly stands up. Um, so the best we can do is sort of progress, not perfection, but in a dynamic where there's breakdown of trust and communication, uh, it's always the case that people's resentments, fears, anxieties, whatever the, the back part of their brain that's rearing up to protect Mm -hmm. them is covering up the prefrontal cortex and their ability to see things sort of rationally and also to open themselves to different interpretations for the other person's intent. And that's all limited self-awareness, you know, the internal and the external. So then we develop a myth, a, a story in our head about what's going on and reinforce that. So Nia doesn't like me. That's the small narrative. And now everything that comes out of Nia's mouth or in email or DM or however Nia communicates with me or doesn't communicate with me, (laughs) you know, I then interpret through that lens and I just keep piling it on before long. Nia is a cartoon villain and not a human being anymore. Tends to be what we see in these breakdowns is that they they progress sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, but they always progress unless there's an intervention of some sort where people develop through self-awareness and openness, open themselves up to changing the story that their brain is ruminating on. And breaking that cycle is tough, yeah? And beautifully put. I love the breaking the cycle. You, yeah, you're breaking a cycle because there's there's a, I think, and I don't know if you agree, but it's it's almost like there's a comfort in reinforcing my view of the world. Yeah, yeah. Even if my view is hurting me, there's still a comfort in no, the known because we're so afraid of the unknown. So if I've made Nia out to be the villain and the cause for all of my suffering, I get a payoff for that. First of all, I don't have to take responsibility for it. So now there's a lack of self-awareness there because 
I'm not choosing to practice self-awareness. I'm choosing to practice denial and delusion. And we're reinforcing the messages, whether they are right, wrong, or indifferent. And that gets worse and worse and worse. It doesn't stay the same, folks. You know, you don't get a pass on that where it's like, well, I'm mildly delusional. You know, no. If you choose delusion, you get more delusional. <laughs> it's dangerous. <laughs> Do you think effective leaders can be found at all levels of organizations? Oh, sure. I mean, there's effective leaders. I mean, there are janitors, and and I, I, I that sounds condescending, but you know, janitors not usually associated with leadership in an organization. But mm-hmm. you know, I remember some janitors back from school who were wonderful and who were leaders. You know, as a student, you knew they were a leader, and they didn't they weren't leading a team. They exhibited the kind of energy and attitude that made you respect them. And that's yeah. what it takes to, to lead people. They choose to follow. So that's if the it. person said something, you kind of listen to it, you know? So, yeah, I think everything from the CEO, you know, on down the chain, um, they're there, they, they, they exist in some places, not as much as, as you'd hope they did. But I think to what, to your point, a title does not, does not in and of itself bestow the category of leader. That's for sure. Do you think leaders at the most strategic level of organizations have greater self-awareness than leaders at other levels of organizations? I think the opposite of that. If by strategic, strategic is usually, although not always, associated with higher level leadership. So senior executives who are setting the strategic uh, course. And if that's the case, I mean, I'll just go back to Tasha's book, you know, Insight. I mean, she, she has some great research on that and quotes the research that actually the higher up you go in an organization, the more likely you are less self-aware bec- unless you do the work, yeah. unless you do the work. But, you know, we tend to, you know, the higher up you get, you kind of believe your own press. None of us really want to go out and seek feedback, you know, about ourselves, but you got to do it. You know, knowing yourself really well is only half the game as far as like the internal part of it. The external's got to be there. And then the higher up you get, you have more power. And so therefore people are more afraid to tell you the truth. So it's harder for you to get to practice. You actually have to have a certain level of humility that keeps your quote unquote door. You know, we said open door policy. Well, you can have an open door, but everyone knows not to walk through it. (laughs) And so people are very sophisticated in the way that we build a wall around ourselves through humor, through extra toxic kindness, you know, the culture of, we don't say anything nasty on this team because we're all good people. So therefore we don't say anything critical and you better not say anything to me about it because I won't accept it. (laughs) Bless your sweet little heart. Yeah, that's the tough stuff. Right. Part of TRUST method yeah. How do you work with teams to do that difficult work to mm. really open them up to greater self-awareness? Well, the T and the trust method is taking stock and that can take uh-huh. form in a lot of, it depends on the situation. Sometimes what we need to do to get people out of denial about the severity of the problem is by polling a larger pool of people and getting getting some information and we can paint quite a mosaic behaviorally of what's what's going how people think and feel about you know the behaviors that are working or not working um but the first thing is to get out of denial 
I mean, that's so taking stock to me is getting out of denial. You can't fix a problem that you don't agree exists. If you're only in blame mode, you're not taking responsibility for your part of it. So how do I take 100% responsibility for my 50% of every relationship? That's a really good way of looking at it. Can you say that again? How do you take responsibility for mm. the 50% of, of yourself that you put into a relationship? What a great way of thinking about it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and I actually first learned that concept from the founder of my company, who's who's unfortunately not with us anymore, but he, you know, he spent a, a lifetime career working on that, you know, helping people see that the importance of that. It is taking, it is coming to the place where you are willing to take 100% responsibility for your 50% mm-hmm. and understanding that line. What is mine? What is my side of the street? And what is your side of the street? I can't take responsibility. You know, it's like codependency, right? I, if I start taking responsibility for your side, I'm hurting both of us. You're not going to grow. If I'm taking yeah. responsibility for all of your stuff, understanding what my side is and taking complete responsibility for that is absolutely critical. And, you know, the T in the trust method, the taking stock piece, that's one huge piece of it is getting people to acknowledge that there's a problem and that they have a role in it so they can start moving towards responsibility. I was talking to somebody else as part of my podcasting um, mm-hmm. earlier this week, and they were saying that they'd worked with a head teacher who was struggling with relationships in the organization, but completely failed to accept that they played any part in the relationship. There was nowhere near 50%. I think they were struggling to get to 5%. Again, that's a really interesting way of looking at that, that actually you're, you're, when you're in a relationship, you're, you're parts of a whole. And that is, and the whole separation, I love how you, you know, that's a, that's a great example you don't get to 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 compartmentalize well the nature well it's a work relationship so it doesn't count the same no 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 mm-hmm. when we start working with cyborgs maybe but we're <laughs> still working with other human beings and as long as that's the case we're all just squishy you know complicated definitely you know that's 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 the way we are and we all come with our own unique flavor and currency and needs and in some cases unhealed trauma from our past that we're bringing into every meeting and every encounter it's it's influencing the lens you can't control the other people's lenses that may be kind of messed up yeah so but but you can't change that what you can do is change what you do absolutely agree the best you can do yeah Do you think effective leaders have more self-awareness than ineffective leaders? Yes. The, the, the connection between um, self-awareness and effectiveness is undeniable. Yeah. And not only are they more effective, they're happier. They tend to grow faster. Okay. Someone who practices self-awareness and therefore has is, is enjoying the benefits of being more self-aware because they practice self-awareness and they develop it. Is, in, is on a high growth trajectory because they are more connected with themselves. They can see in real time their behaviors and their behavioral choices that they have. So I not only know what I'm doing behaviorally, I also know what I could be doing, my, my range of choices. And the third kind of rail on that the third level to make it 3D <laughs> is understanding how those behavioral choices are being received by the other person. So if I can combine those three things, 
knowing what I'm doing, knowing what I'm doing vis-a-vis my other choices and knowing how those choices may more likely will be met by the other person, my goodness, now you've got real control over the way that you nurture a relationship. If I know that Nia, that you prize me paraphrasing what you said back to you, for example, just a behavior. And I know that that makes you feel really heard and comforted and that we can move forward. Then I should choose to do that if I want to have a relationship with you. And if I know that and I choose not to do it, I'm intentionally not investing in our relationship. And that may be okay for me. I may choose that, well, you know, I'm willing to sacrifice trust in this relationship because of some other factor, but it's conscious. It's not, I'm not being controlled by it. Yeah. And I guess that's the difference. It's if you are self-aware enough, you can make those choices, whether they appear good, bad, or indifferent, as we said, but you have to have that self-awareness to make that conscious choice. And I think that's the difference um, because we see so many leaders who are not self-aware and not making conscious choices and then saying, well, why are these people behaving like this around me? The penny hasn't dropped. You're not smelling the coffee. Well, because it's all about them. It's it's their fault, not mine, you know, and and yet we dance with each other. We respond to each other. So, um, you know, one thing, I don't know if this resonates with you, but uh, the whole concept of the golden rule versus the platinum rule, you know, we, we all grew up. If you went to like, you know, like church, the way that we did when I was getting the golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated. Well, that's yeah. a, that's a nice sentiment, but in this case, it, it falls short. If that's all you do, you're projecting yourself onto other people and we're all unique beings. And so what I like, isn't necessarily what you like or need. Now here's the other secret that I've learned in doing this work. And, and again, I'm curious what you think. I have a colleague, for example, with very, very different personalities. We have very different behavioral preferences. And there are times when I will know what he wants me to do. And for some reason, sometimes a good reason, I'm not going to do that. So what I will sometimes do is say, I will acknowledge that and ask permission almost. Just acknowledge that that's his need and want. And in this case, I'm not going to do it because of these reasons. And it's almost like just showing that you know that someone needs something. You don't necessarily have to always do it, but if the person feels seen and heard and respected, then you know you're in good shape. We can yeah. adjust to each other. Absolutely, <laughs> and, and and I think that's key. And you said that word for me, respect, and it's about having that openness and respect, being able to have the dialogue about the dialogue. And I think that. I think that comes with a real maturity in a relationship and a trust in a relationship. And maybe when you're new to having a relationship with somebody, that isn't so easy. But I think as you develop, I think you need to open that up and have that respect and that open conversation. And mm. it's difficult. It's it's not always the easy thing to do. But I think if you're able to have that dialogue and and be able to justify your decisions, and you've made that agreement between you as a as a as two people in a relationship, then I think that allows you to move forward with that awareness of what you're doing. I, I do think it it develops over time with intention. I also think, and this isn't really a pushback, but let me just add something onto that. If you manage people, there's no reason why on day one you can't have a direct conversation about your behaviors and its impact on the other person. In other words, well, let's say, you know, 
let's say I, for some reason, not that this would ever happen because clearly you would manage me, but let's say you came onto my <laughs> team and I, and on day one in the onboarding process, okay, you got your insurance is taken care of you. You know, you got your chair. If you're working in the office, you got your equipment, you know, your role. Okay. Nia, I want to know the behaviors that are important to you from a manager yeah. in, especially in the first 90 days. Let's talk about the specific behaviors that are going to make you feel supported and respected in the first 90 days and get that out. There's that. I, I think that should be a minimal expectation yeah. of a manager of people and then the yeah. rest will develop. Yeah. I think you're right. Setting out expectations, being open about them. And then building that trust up so that you can have more challenging conversations about, I think something, you think something, we may not think the same thing, but we have to agree to disagree respectfully. And I think maybe, as you say, it's that through that induction and onboarding process, being open about, we talk about relationships here, we talk about behaviors, we talk about communication styles, and it sets the culture of an organization. Yeah, I, I like what you said earlier about the discussion about the discussion or the dialogue about the way we dialogue. I think yeah. that's really, that's what's missing from most of these things. So let's say you go into a diversity, equity, and inclusion space mm -hmm. where you're opening up to these difficult topics for people, but you haven't had the fundamental human conversation about as people, no matter where you come from, what demographic you're in or whatever, you know, what we need as a person. And therefore it's going to make it much harder to talk about these other things yeah. openly. Amazing. Matt Stone, it's been an absolutely brilliant conversation. Thank you so much for joining me all the way from the United States of America. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's been brilliant. As um, we mentioned earlier, Accelerate with Matt Stone. I'll make sure that there is a link in the show notes. So listeners who want to go and listen to your podcast, they are very welcome to do so. Just click. Matt, it's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much once again. Thank you, Nia. Thank you for joining me, your host, Nia Thomas, at the Knowing Self, Knowing Others podcast. If you'd like to know more about self-awareness, leader effectiveness, and leadership at all levels, please take a look at my website, knowingselfknowingothers.co.uk. You can also join me on YouTube, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Make sure you bookmark the Knowing Self, Knowing Others podcast and tune into the next episode in two weeks' time. I look forward to having you on my learning journey. If you'd like to join me as a guest on the Knowing Self, Knowing Others podcast, please drop me a line at info at knowingselfknowingothers.co.uk. If you'd like to advertise your podcast, book or company connected to self-awareness, leader effectiveness or leadership at all levels, please drop me a line at the same email. Please remember to bookmark the Knowing Self, Knowing Others podcast so that you can keep up to date with all new episodes. Remember to rate this podcast on whichever directory you listen. Knowing Self, Knowing Others is available to listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podcast Index, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Pocket Casts, Deezer, Listen, Player.